Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah. Joined, as always, by the chairman. How you doing? I am great, Brian. Good to be here. I'm great. You know what I've been doing lately? What's that? I've been studying, as we always do. We do a lot of reading around here. But I've been focused on Peter Lynch because he fascinates me. One of the greatest investors of all time. Yeah. For those of you that don't remember, I mentioned this on a podcast a little while ago, but Peter Lynch, listen to these returns. From 1977 to 1990, averaged 29.2% per year, which is crazy. That would have increased your investment 26 times. One of the greatest investors of all time, no question. Uh, Buffett, Munger, Lynch on the credit side, Howard Marks. I mean, those are, are really, I, I would say, Buffett is how we have built our firm around his methodology. But Lynch is right there with that same philosophy. Yeah, they have their, their philosophies really cross over. They say it maybe a little differently. They communicate it a little differently, but really have the same ideas. So... One thing that I that I started compiling was what are what are their what are the rules of these great investors? What are what do they live by? If they're going to manage money or or buy an investment, uh, what are their what are their golden rules, I guess you could say? And for Peter Lynch, there's there's ten that I spotted. And so today's podcast I want to review those ten, what they mean and how Iron Gate views them. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to throw these at you and you explain what these rules mean to the people. So if you have paper and pen at home, you know, write these down. These are important. Or just wait for us to post them, which is probably easier. Yeah. But you don't learn as much if you don't write it down. I have learned that. Yeah. That's why I've got a notebook full of notes. Anyway, number one, Brian, know what you own. What does that mean? Well, it's uh, understanding. I mean, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Understanding what you own, but I think it's more than just it's uh, knowing why you own it. Um, understanding the business. When we talk about our the Buffett principles of number one thing is you know if you don't understand it, you you avoid don't it. In it. You don't yeah. invest in it. Well, this is just this is the inverse of that is understanding what you own. And because we we always we know that it, in every investment experience, there's always going to be a difficult time right after you buy it for for whatever reason. It seems like it goes down. Just or, plan on right after you buy right. it, and it's going to go. But down. But if you don't know the business, if you don't know why you own it, you don't have conviction on why you own that business, then you'll probably make a mistake. First of all, probably mistake buying it in the first place yeah. if you don't if you don't know it. And second of all, when there are when the difficult times times come. Uh, you'll be, you'll more, most likely make a bad emotional decision and either sell it or you know, you're in it for the wrong reasons because you don't understand it. So in my 10 years traveling the country teaching people how to invest for TD and, and you know, some other firms before TD gobbled us all up, I would say more than half of the people that would buy stocks had no idea what the company even did, Right. You can't do that. You got to know what you own. And number the number two rule is know the finances of those companies you own, which kind of 
is the same as number one, right? Know what you own. But what does it mean, know the finances of those companies? I think it's just understanding basic uh, financial measurements. Uh, there's there's three specific uh, statements that uh, you can look at or that I look at when, when we analyze a business, and it's the income statement, and that talks about the revenue and the expenses. And, and at, the, at the very bottom, you have what's called net income. You know, and that's basically the revenue minus all the different expenses. And there's a lot of different mm-hmm. categories of expenses. But at the bottom line, you have what's called profit or net income. And the other, another term is earnings per share. That breaks it down by each share. And uh, so that's part of understanding the finances of the business. The other, in, the other statement we look at is the balance sheet. And that talks about the assets and liabilities. It's the assets of the business. It's buildings and equipment and things like that and then you have the liabilities and that's either debt um you know basically it, it, um, short-term and long-term debt and then the last statement that i look at that's really important to, in, to understand is the cash flow statement and uh, that just tells you where the cash is going and where it comes from and understanding those three statements but these are things this is this is it's not algebra it's simple math we're talking addition, subtraction, division, kind of calculations, but it's just yeah. uh, it's just having a basic understanding of the of of the of accounting. Accounting is the language of business, and if you can have a basic understanding, you can read a simple book and understand basic accounting. You can you can analyze and the finances of a business. What's the trouble with not knowing those finances? Uh, the trouble is you don't know for. The way I think about it is you can't, it's hard to value a business if you don't understand the finances yeah. of the business. You don't understand the, you know, where net income comes from and the profitability and, and the return on asset. You know, these are some basic calculations, return on, return on equity, return on um, sales, you know, mm-hmm. profit margins, all those sort of things. Is, but, but again, it's simple math, but basic accounting, understanding and business and financial statements is pretty important. A simple way to look at this for the for the novice investor would be most people can relate to buying a, a home or buying a rental unit to make money, right? Well, what's your cash flow you're going to get from renting that unit out after your expenses? Mm-hmm. And what kind of return are you going to get? And it's it's having a basic understanding of that as it pertains to the business that you're buying, knowing the details around it. Yep. Not going in blind. Yep. Hey, number uh, number three, focus on the long term. Time is on your side. I love that one. Why? Well, when you own a great business, time is on your side. When you own a terrible business or a, a, a poor or less than average business, time is not on your side. In fact, you got to be really right on the timing when you own a bad business. You got to be. You got to buy it at the right time and sell it at the right time. But if you own a great business, the time is on your side. The longer you own it, the, the, the higher the probability they'll make money in that investment. All right. Let's talk about probabilities because I love probabilities. That's what I base almost all my decisions on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an article written by Nick Murray, who we love, called The Healing Effect of Time on the Market. And he has probabilities based on market history since 1926, probabilities that your stocks are going to make money for you, okay? On a one-year time horizon, last year was down, which stunk, right? Did you know there's 
less than a 25% probability that the market has a down year. Yeah. So 75.28% of the time, your stocks make money over 12 months. Over three years, 84.5%. Five years, 88%. 10 years, 94%. 15, 99.7. 20 years, 100% of the time. Yeah, and so if you're a short-term investor, let's say you're young and you've never invested before and maybe you just invested for the first time in the last year, your experience in the stock market is probably not a great great experience. Yeah. But if you're a seasoned investor and you've been an investor for the last 10, 15, even 3, 5, 10, and 15 years, it's very likely that you've had a pretty good experience in a, as an investor. Um, and so the long, if, if, and if you own a portfolio of great businesses, you know, these statistics will, will speak, you know, yep. volumes to, and backing what, what you just read off. Yep. So relax. Time is on your side. Number four, you just, you just talked about it. Long shots always miss the mark. That's your hot stocks that you're trying to time because they're a sexy investment and getting the timing right is very, very difficult, right? And typically, when you hear about the stock, it's already made its move, and most people buy in at the very, very end of that hot stocks rally. Mm -hmm. So be aware of the hot stock. Five, don't over-diversify. Yeah, we, we like this one. We, we think it makes a lot of sense to own, concentrate your money in your best ideas, own your you're, instead of you're owning your 30th or your 50th or your 100th favorite idea, why not concentrate your money on your top 10, 15, maybe 20 ideas? We think that makes a lot of sense. Peter Lynch, as he talked about don't over-diversify, over said that it's impossible to know that many companies very well to the point you're comfortable buying them. Right, so know what you own very, very well, and you don't need to over diversify. Number six, let your winners run. That yeah. sounds obvious, but why isn't it so obvious to people? There's a there's a quote out there that often people say. I hear people say that you never go broke taking a profit, and uh, I said, yeah, but you probably never get rich <laughs> doing that either. I mean, if you look at the way that people build wealth, real wealth long-term, is they own great assets. They own those businesses over a long period of time. Yep. They let their winners run. And that's the real, that's the real way to, to build wealth. You, you, anybody, you, anybody with a, a high net worth, very likely they've owned great assets over a long period of time. It wasn't because they got lucky and they bought a particular stock. They owned it for six months, just the perfect six months. And then sold it, and they made you know that does happen from yeah. time to time. It's like going to Vegas, but real wealth and most people have built real wealth have owned assets, great assets over long periods of time. Yep, let your winners run, and a lot of people suffer from what's called break itis right? They buy a stock, it goes down. Oh, I hate this stock. As soon as I'm break even, I'm going to get out, or they make a little bit of money and they get out. Well. That's I, never going to get you rich. Well, and I've never owned a stock that hasn't gone down. I, it, every stock I've ever owned has gone down at some point. Yep. And it seems like 
right after you buy it, it goes it down. It goes down. And, and it, stock says, I hate you. But, but that's what stocks do over the short term. But if you own a stock, or we talked about this, this data that you mentioned here just a minute ago. If, if you own it over a long period of time, a great business, the odds of success go up dramatically if you yeah. three, five, and 10 years. Number seven, declines are opportunities. And this is something that we talked about all last year in a bear market. This is the best time to buy. It's the most fearful time to put money to work. But when there are declines in the market, that's how you, you create your wealth by preparing for the next bull market during the bear market, mm -hmm. which is a decline. So those are great opportunities to buy those businesses you love at great prices. Yeah, that, that's, that's the the key is when you're buying a business that's now it's down in price. So the value of that business for every dollar you put into, you've put into that business is, is more valuable and you're buying at a better price. And that means that future returns will be greater. That's why we, that's why we talk about when you buy a business or this is a great opportunity when stock prices go down to put money to work because you're getting more for your money. It's, it's the, it's the old saying, buy your groceries. We like to buy our stocks. Like we buy our groceries when they're on sale. And if you can buy stocks when they're on sale, that's how you make great, better, even better returns going forward. Yep. And, and something that not a lot of people focus on is when the market's down 20 to 30%, like it was last year, there's less risk in the market during those declines than there is when it's trading at all time highs. But you, but you would think the, the, uh, the because the value of your dollars, it's worth more. Right. But you watch investors and you'd think just the opposite, yeah, the exact opposite. When the market's falling, there's more risk. There's more risk. That's, that's what's perceived and, yeah. when you watch the financial news, you read newspapers that there's more risk in the market when stock prices go down. Well, it's actually the opposite. Yep. When stock prices are down, your risk is actually gone down. Your risk is down as well. So those declines are opportunities. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's number nine. Oh, number eight. You're going to love this one. This okay. is one of my favorite ones. Okay. Don't look at macroeconomic pictures. <laughs> okay. So what do we mean by macroeconomic pictures? I think, Ryan that the Fed, that I shouldn't fight the Fed, number one. Number two, I think they're going to raise rates by 50 more basis points. Or, you know, where's inflation? Where's terminal inflation going to end up? Or where's the, where are the Fed funds going to end up? Or, you know, unemployment and, and a recession. And these are all big macro uh, weather events, I guess we could call them. And it, Ultimately, it's really a distraction from what really matters, and that's really uh, what really matters is identifying great businesses that have long-term, durable, competitive advantages run by good people. These are all Peter. These are Warren Buffett, you know, things. Yep. But these are all aligned with what Peter Lynch says, and uh, and then being a long-term investor. And it sounds simple. Why every, is it so hard? Everything else is, is noise. For people. Everything yeah. else is noise. And it's, it's not that that doesn't matter, it, but it's really a distraction from 
really what really matters, and that's identifying great businesses that will do well in any environment over the long term. So don't look at the macroeconomic picture. That might surprise some people, right? What's the value of the dollar going to do and all that kind of stuff? Peter Lynch, one of the greatest investors of all time, and Warren Buffett, and we certainly subscribe to this, doesn't matter if you know the business that you're buying. Buffett bought his first stock, I think, when he was eight or nine years old. He's, it's called, I remember the name of the company. It's called City Service Preferred. He bought the stock when he was eight or nine years old. It was right at the beginning of the World War II. America, it looked at the time that Germany was winning and America was losing. It was a, ter- it was a terrible time to invest, and he bought his first stock right then. He, and he said over the years many times that he doesn't pay attention to the macroeconomic uh, environment that really, because it's impossible to forecast, it's impossible to know. We know that. We just look at what the Federal Reserve said a year and a half ago about inflation. They said it was transitory and it wasn't going to be a yeah. big problem. And I mean, we, we just know the economic uh, forecasts make the weathermen look really accurate. And so it's just a big distraction. Focus on what really matters, and that's owning a great business over a long period of time. Would you buy or sell your home based on the value of the dollar? No, no. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Number nine. This is so true. There's always something to worry about. Always. Man, what's the worry right now? Inflation, unemployment. Chinese spy bullying. Chinese uh, recession. Put You know, recession down the road there's all kinds of things it seems like there's more right now than usual and i'd say that's probably true but there's always something to worry about it's because the pessimism is higher right you now. think about the last couple of years what we've had to worry about we've worried about covid we've worried about um inflation and now recession <laughs> it's just it's just crazy number 10 buy companies and this is the last one buy companies with a competitive advantage i think this is probably the most important one is save the best for last yeah. why is it the most important if you own owning a great business can solve a lot of problems it can solve the problem of maybe you paid a little bit too much for that business yeah and uh, but if you own a great business um, it solves a lot of a lot of mistakes over time so that's that's what does why it mean so for a company to have a competitive advantage? Like, what does that what does that even mean? It it means that uh, they have a competitive edge over other businesses in their industry, yeah. and that the the outlook looks it, it has a bright outlook for the industry. Um, but if you think about the opposite, if you own a business that has doesn't have competitive advantages, um, that's, that's your hot stocks. Yeah, and it's. The longer you own that business, the odds of you losing money will go up. But if you own a great business that that has competitive advantages and you own it for a long period of time, your odds of success will are higher. Are higher. Yeah. Uh, I think of this when I think competitive advantage. Dollar fifty hot dogs at Costco. <laughs> it's never changed. They've always been a dollar fifty. All right, that was a terrible example, wasn't it? No, it's it's all right. But Costco's. A, I was just it, thinking of food. Yeah, Costco's a great example <laughs> of a business with durable competitive advantages. There's no question. I think it's a great business. But we talk about competitive advantages, brand name. I mean, it, we talked about in, in the past Coca-Cola versus RC Cola. It's pretty obvious yeah. that there's some competitive advantages there. Um, Walmart, you know, comp- competing against your 
mom and pa grocery store walmart is has huge advantages amazon i think has huge competitive advantages. so those are examples of companies that have competitive advantages so with those 10 things peter lynch and a few others that that are aren't i don't think is important but peter lynch was able to average and of course his ability to pick those businesses 29.2 percent between 77 and 90 and that was a good market time as well but 29.2 percent that's pretty insane it's pretty good so and buffett had those kind of numbers uh in early in his career maybe even better yeah and uh but he's his numbers i think are in the low 20s over like 40 or 50 years which is insane it's pretty good yep. yeah all right my friends hope you learned something there's your 10 uh golden investment rules from peter lynch which we wholeheartedly agree with yeah don't forget as well to sign up for february 15th is our quarterly investment call for clients where we're going to tear apart a few of the businesses that we own, talk about the things that we've mentioned on this podcast, uh, and and talk about the outlook as well for some of the companies that we own, which we're excited about. Yeah, that'll be fun. Until then, bye-bye now. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888 5910334